live from the 607, it's the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, where we're talking everything movies, TV, comics, and entertainment. Join in the conversation on social media with the hashtag ODPH, because here we go. Welcome to an all-new edition of the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. What's happening, everybody? Thank you so much for joining us this week. My name is Ken M. Joining me in studio, as always, you know him. He's the co-host. His name is Padawan J. Hello there. Folks, we have a lot to talk about in the land of movies, TV, comics, and more. You are tuned in to the entertainment edition of the ODPH and we definitely want to interact with you. So make sure to swing on over to odphpodcast.com. Join in the conversation on our social media accounts. They're all right there. We interact with everybody. Check out Parlay Points. New comics blogs dropping this week. It's a big week at the local comic shops. There's a lot of good stuff to go pick up. I believe it. So we did some spotlights that you definitely want to go check out. Thank you to everybody who's been subscribing to the blogs. Set new records with that, too. I don't like bragging about numbers, but, man, thank you for all the support there. It really means a lot. When I see those numbers pop up. Also, check out the Tee Public Store. Always a sale going on. Not this week, but it's always a good time to go pick up some swag. Yes. It always is. It's, it's good stuff. I can't, can't brag about it enough. All of that and so much more is at odphpodcast.com. And always remember to use the hashtag odphpod on social media. Kicking off this edition of the podcast. There was a teaser trailer dropped uh-huh. that definitely caught us, I want to say a little bit by surprise. Yeah. Because we know that Marvel and Disney are planning a big end-of-the-month debut with Moon Knight. Yes. So that is only two weeks away as you're hearing this podcast Ooh, recorded. Coming up on us very quickly. It's very quickly. They did another teaser trailer for it. Didn't give too much away, but I am very intrigued at what we're going to see there. Oh, yeah. But they threw us another show that is going to be coming out June 8th. And it's one that has definitely got a lot of fans hyped up about. And that's Miss Marvel, uh-huh. one of the most popular characters of Marvel Comics right now. Aman Veleni is going to be playing Kamala Khan. And we got to see a little preview of what is going to be going on here. What's the vibe going to be with this show? Pad, your initial feelings watching this trailer. Uh, initial feelings are I'm, I'm excited for it. You know, didn't give me a whole lot to go off of, whether it's like a hint at what the plot might be. Just kind of felt like an introduction or kind of like a brief little teaser into who the character is, what she's about, kind of the general feel of the show. Uh, solid use of the weekend in, in the music on the on the trailer. This is probably the first time I've ever watched a trailer, heard the music start playing and went, this is a great edit of the song for a trailer. I don't think I've ever had that before when I'm watching a trailer going, holy shit, this is a great music fact. Um, but no, I'm very excited for it. Yeah, obviously uh, Kamala Khan, is be, like we said, is one of the most popular characters at Marvel Comics right now. Coming into the MCU, the comics universe in 2013. Mm-hmm. Definitely has grown into a fan favorite and obviously has had a high profile lately in the oh, comics. Yeah. In the Square Enix video game for the yep. Avengers is a featured character. And when we heard about the show, we were definitely excited to see what they're going to do. We did get to see a lot, and like Pad alluded to, without spoiling anything, there is a lot of win with this trailer. But right now, we are going to talk spoilers. So if you haven't seen the trailer yet, and you're trying to watch out right now, we're going to go through the countdown. After the countdown, we go deep diving and analyzing everything about the trailer. So if you don't want to be spoiled, we say pause the episode right here and jump back in after you've seen it, because otherwise, it's fair game. And all that being said... In three, two, one. Pad. 
detailed. What did you think? Thought, like I said, thought it was a great trailer. Um, you know, gave us a little enough of about who she is, what she's doing. You know, kind of gave that slice of life teenage feeling. You know, being a teenager going through the rough patches of school, not really fitting in, trying to find her place in the world. Try, you know, getting dropped into her guidance counselor's office going, all right, what do you want to do with the rest of your life? And going, uh, do I have to decide that right now or can I wait? I'm sure we've all been there, you know, but gave enough to a feel of what the show's going to be like and, and kind of left me wanting more. This trailer really surprised me. I was blown away by it. Not that I wasn't already a little excited to see the show because obviously with such a high profile that she's had lately in the comics and in the video games and pop culture, there's been a lot of buzz about this. Oh, yeah. So I was kind of saying, okay, how are we going to go about this? This looks fun. This looks entertaining. This has a unique feel to it. It looks relatable if you remember your childhood or teenage years at all. Yeah, they definitely emphasize that as well because as the trailer opens up, had it alluded to, the weekend's blinding lights is playing. Yep. And you start off with Kamala at her desk at school. She's doodling. And I love how they do the comic art. Yeah. Where they do the Marvel intro. Yeah. Like normal. But it's all done in art. Yeah. Like it's not the the clean cut yeah, it's, image. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's done just like it was straight off a comic book. So I love how they do that. And as you see, she's talking to her guidance counselor. And he's just saying, like, I understand. I get it. You know, you're trying to find your way in school. And they kind of do like a quick throw around to her talking with other classmates, we do know about Zoe Zimmer is going to be in there, who's playing the mean girl. Lauren Martin is playing her. As if you couldn't figure out, she's the mean girl. She's the bully. She's the, you know, kind of sort of antagonist. Uh, they gave her, like, cartoon-drawn devil horns over her head. Yeah, I thought that was fantastic, That too. was great. And she is making fun of Kamala's shirt because she's wearing, quote-unquote, another, another Avengers, Avengers shirt. shirt. Which, I mean, she is a super fan in the comics. So, I mean, this rolls in there completely. And, as, and, and, and sorry to jump in, but just even if you're not that familiar with the character, they did allude to this in the video game. Oh, they've alluded to it everywhere. You know, I because I, that was kind of my first introduction to Kamala Khan was in the video game. And just when she's to go out, spoiler alert, she's going around a day and all the displays and she's just naming off every single solitary detail about what it is. And oh, my gosh, that was from this battle at this point, which took place. It's like, all right. Yeah, she knows her stuff. Yes. And as they go from there in the trailer to we do see her talking with her friend Bruno and then she's obviously hinting at her crush that she has Cameron from a party so they're playing that back and forth so you're definitely seeing that she's still being a teenager through and through and it definitely appears that this crush is not just any old crush that it is probably the most popular boy in school because in the shot where she's holding his shirt and he's standing there shirtless and ripped as all can be Mm -hmm. uh, all there's about what four five six girls standing there with just this blank look on their face like oh my gosh I can't believe he's standing right in front of me and he's like uh excuse me can I have my shirt oh yeah sorry yes and then they go to a very cool shot I I noticed is Kamal is back at her desk yep and behind her is a projector yeah and you can see the light around her and I thought that was kind of a very cool shot as she's trying to focus on something that's going on there as well. And she's having daydreams of her being Captain Marvel. Uh huh. So I thought that was kind of a cool play because that's what she is. She's basically a super fan, much like us to the comic characters. Right. And I think that's just something that every person has done in their head as a kid. And if you say you didn't, you're fucking lying. Facts. That you've always imagined yourself as a kid being the superhero. Like, you know, having that Avengers moment where, like, you're the one saving the day, you're the one making the big rescue. 
you know, and and maybe even in your bedroom striking a superhero pose, mm-hmm. you know. So, it, again, it's just one of those things that, like, okay, yes, this is a kid and a teenager's story, but it's making it super relatable calling back to your own childhood. Yes, definitely so. And as we're jumping around to, you're seeing that she's still having more daydreams and the guidance counselor has to snap her back into reality. Really? This soon? Yeah, which it's just fun to see how they're playing off, too. And you and you can see her answering very snarky back to him, saying, like, do I got to figure this out by lunch? Do You know, like, what's going on here? So they, they definitely are playing that up. Which, again, you know, it sounds like it's a guidance counselor. All right, what do you want to do with the rest of your life? What do you want to go to school for? Which, again, I remember being... Oh, probably, you know, in middle school, seventh, eighth grade, seventh, eighth grade. So, you know, early teenagers, maybe 12, 13 years old and getting pulled and pulled in front of my guidance counselors. I was like, all right, what do you want to do? What do you want to go to college for? And I'm like, I'm a teenager. I'm like 12, 13 years old. I just want to figure out what I'm having for dinner. Mm-hmm. Why do I got to do this right now? Yes, exactly. Then we get another quick shot of her on a rooftop. Yep. And she's talking to her best friend, Bruno. And she's basically debating about, like, I spend too much time in Fantasyland. That's what they're talking about with her and her family. And they do show a quick shot of her praying because mm-hmm. she is the first Muslim character that's featured in a comic at Marvel. To get her own her own uh, comic book line. Yeah. Yes. So they're going to be showcasing that throughout the show, which I think is a very cool thing yeah. to see. So we go from there. And you see that she's standing in front of a museum with Captain Marvel in there, too, as well. So yeah. it's kind of a little play of what they do with Square Enix and yeah. the video game, too, for a, you know, a day. And then you see her talking with her mother, and her mother sees her wearing the costume. Including the helmet, yeah. Yeah, and she's like, this is not who you're supposed to be, and is questioning that as well. And then she's kind of going through the self-doubt of, like, am I supposed to be the one that you know, is going to be a superhero? But then we go to a quick scene where she is trying on, it appears, gauntlets. Uh-huh. And these gauntlets activate her powers. Yep. That we are getting that vibe right now. So I know they're going to differ a little bit from the comics. Which be- is fine. Which is fine because I know that it, her powers are more based from the Terrigen Mist and Inhumans. Yeah, which you know they're not going anywhere near that. As of right now, I think they're going to completely steer away from the Inhumans. Which, listen, I get why. If you have never seen the show, we're just going to save that for you. If you want to deep dive into that on your own. Watch that at your own risk. Yep. But I think they're going to differ from the comics a little bit with that, which is perfectly which is fine. fine. Yeah, so I have no issue with that, too. And as you see that she's kind of going through her own head with her powers, and basically, I don't know if it's cosmic awareness or whatever is going on, because you kind of see her do her own time jump through the multiverse a little bit. When yeah. you see that shot, yeah. like I say, it might not be the multiverse or anything like that. Or something akin to it. But it looks like it. So I know they're trying to tie in everything together because, hey, it's Marvel. It's what they do. So you're really kind of puzzled what's going on here. You do see some kind of mist, so maybe they are going to try doing it. Maybe. But I think it's more geared towards the gauntlets. What do you think? Yeah, I'm thinking it's more the gauntlets just because, from what I know from the video games, when she goes to punch things, she stretches out almost like Mr. Fantastic. Yes. You know, and she grows really tall. It looks like with this, it's almost like a Green Lantern type of thing where, like... Kind of, yeah. Where Green Lantern thinks about it and he projects it from the ring from his hand. This is almost like a kind of a similar thing where I think maybe she'll think it or she'll kind of will it into existence and it'll do it with her hands or her body. So it definitely appears to be a departure from the comics, and I, and I think it might be gauntlet-based. Yeah, which I'm perfectly fine with. Like I say, to do it for a TV show... Trying to do the special effects like that, like I know we were always very critical of the CW, right? Because of the budget for it. So there's, I know. A, there's a reason Captain or not Captain Marvel, uh, Ant Man has only gone giant so many times. Exactly, it costs a lot of money in Hollywood. Yeah, it does. And so even with the Disney Plus show and the House of Mouse is banking it, they still want to keep it within reason. 
But as we say, we jump back in and you see that the family is getting used to Kamala hiding something. She's trying to hide her powers. You see a quick shot of her shutting a door yeah, from a distance. With her powers. Yep. And then we see it what appears like a cafe is exploding. Yeah. So not really sure what we're going to get see there. Then there's a cool shot of her walking on these weird kind of it's templates. Like, yeah, it's like something she's projecting out of the air uh, with, again, these powers or these gauntlets she's wearing on her wrist. Yeah, so it's a very cool scene to see as she's kind of you know touching upon the cosmic aspect too, and, and they are going to tie into that. So wherever that's going to lead is going to be kind of interesting. Yeah. And then you, as you see, she's kind of jumping through the air. You, you do see that she appears to be getting hunted by some organization as well because – well, that's kind of what they do, and now her family is in danger, too. We do see some cool moments where she's using her powers, kind of using the gauntlet fist and making a force field. Yeah. And basically coming into terms that she's now a superhero. And it has such a nice, fun vibe to it, even with the seriousness of the yeah, show. Yeah, I mean, there definitely is going to be some serious moments because there's one point in the trailer where it's like it's action sequences, you know, getting shown. But there is the voiceover of Kamala saying, you know, I always thought I wanted this kind of life. You know, but then she goes on to say, but I never imagined any of this. So, yeah. so it sounds like another one of those instances where we're like, it seems really cool and really sexy and awesome to be the superhero and get the limelight and everything else. But like, we don't know the underside that comes with that. And that's all the the bad stuff that comes with it. And she, it sounds like she's going to get a dose of that. Yeah, which is going to be very cool. And I think they're going to be borrowing a lot from the G. Willow Wilson run Probably. of the book, which by all means, I haven't read it in a while. So I definitely want to go back and deep dive into it. But this show really captured a fun vibe to it. Yeah. It wasn't like anything we've really seen from the MCU no. in this aspect. No. Like it was very, I don't, I don't want to say young, but it was very fresh. It was yeah. very youthful. It was very vibrant. It felt like, for me, the first couple of minutes of uh, Hawkeye. Yeah. You know, with, with the Haley Steinfeld, the Kate Bishop stuff. But then obviously very quickly that did that feeling got left behind once Hawkeye got introduced. It, it feels like it's going to be like a whole season or seasons of, you know, that kind of vibe. And I'm, and I'm here for it. I'm absolutely here for it. I think this is going to be a smart, this is going to be a great show. Yeah. I think from anybody that was kind of having some, you know, reservations about how this was going to feel, we don't need everything in the MCU to be dark and gritty like Moon Knight. Well, and I know some people were griping that, oh, that's not how our powers are. This is how our power. Like, listen, shit changes. You you roll with it and you and reserve judgment until you actually see it in action mm-hmm. and then make a call. Yeah, and I think that this is going to be something that fans will be all right with. Like, yeah. I know that we get very hardcore about it should follow the books to the letter, but as we've seen with the MCU, they've taken some chances and some liberties in certain areas. Sure. They haven't really missed the mark. No. So we got to give them the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. And like we touched upon, when you try factoring in a Hollywood budget. Yeah. Sure. There are ways to go around this, but not everybody's getting that Lord of the Rings budget from Amazon. True. I think if that was the case, then yeah, we might have a little more comic accurate powers. But if they want to tie it in with gauntlets, they want to really avoid using the Terrigen Mist like the comics. This is fine. Yeah. This is absolutely fine. Because the basic takeaway is you're connecting with Captain Marvel's character, or Miss Marvel's character, yeah. rather. You are having that connection because she is just a fan like all of us are watching. Yeah. And to see her get her powers and where she's going to go with this, that is the real takeaway. Because like we've hinted at a while, 
the MCU has been slowly but surely setting up the Young Avengers. If you're denying that at this point, you're stupid. Absolutely. You just have to see the the writing is on the wall. Uh huh. Everybody is going to have uh, every show coming out is going to have a little inkling to what they're going to eventually do with that. Now, is it going to be the same as the comics? Probably not. No, probably not. It's going to be a different lineup, which is perfectly fine. Yeah. Because the basic takeaway that we need to have as fans is as long as the acting's there, the script is there, and it captures the essence, the live-action adaptation is going to be fine. And this is something that I'm looking forward to with this character because from what I've seen and what I've been able to read of her in other stories, this is the character to the letter. She is somebody that's ever the optimist that is going to go in there and just be the hero that she's dreamt she's always wanted to be. She's the fan who then becomes part of the action. Exactly. And and gets everything, and I mean everything, that comes with it. Yeah. So this is going to be a really cool show to go check out. And as it's coming off the heels of Moon Knight, it's going to be really very interesting to see the contrast in styles because we know that Marvel has got a loaded deck coming out for Disney+. Plus. Moon Knight, like we touched upon, is kicking off. March 30th. Yep. And then that's going six episodes as it was announced. Right. Then we're going to go to Miss Marvel. Yep. After that is She-Hulk. Which you're starting to see some promotional stuff come out for. Right. And I think that we'll see more of a teaser trailer get dropped on us. Yeah. I, w- I would say roughly, if not by uh, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, like right after. I'm going to say mid to late summer. I could see that. I mean, it just depends. On... You got to give time for Moon Knight to breathe. You got to give time for Ms. Marvel to breathe. So probably not until after Ms. Marvel starts airing. Yes. And then we go right from there into Secret Invasion. And the ball keeps rolling for the slate for Disney+. Plus. Yeah. And we do know about, well, the Netflix shows are now officially there. Yep. Everything signed, sealed, and delivered as we're recording today. So uh, you, next time, if you haven't already, when you log on, and this is a pro tip, uh, when you log on to your Disney Plus account, you'll be met with a prompt, you know, basically saying, hey, do you want to make your profile, uh, you know, able to see mature uh, mature content? And I've, obviously I was like, yeah, sure. And then because I have a profile, my parents have a profile, and then my girlfriend and my sister all have profiles on the, on the Disney Plus account, it gave me the option for like a little toggle switch on and off for their profiles if I wanted to allow those profiles to see mature content so if you are a parent with kids you can set those after you set your profile that's very good to know because yeah. i i know i share mine right. with my family and my young nephew is not ready for frank castle no yeah so pro tip for you when you go sign into your disney plus account it'll and do it under your your profile it'll prompt you to do it and then it'll, it'll give you all the other profiles right there after you set yours so you can toggle them all at once perfect because we'll need to do that. Even though Miss Marvel, I think, will be okay. Yeah, no, but, it'll be good. But that's the whole point, because you're capturing the essence of a young superhero that's coming into her own. I'm super excited to see this different feel to the show. And this is going to really set the tempo for what we're going to see in this next wave from Disney+. Plus. Because we know, obviously, coming off the heels of Hawkeye, they got some big shoes to fill. But I think Miss Marvel is definitely going to do it. Final thoughts on this before we wrap it up. Uh, great trailer. I'm not the biggest you know, Ms. Marvel fan, but I am very excited to see this and learn a lot more about her. I'm right there with you. I'm, I'm slowly getting into it. I know i got to go back through Marvel Unlimited and start reading up on it because, like I say, I, I started and I kind of stopped, so I'm not like an aficionado of the character, but I definitely want to go check it out before the show happens. 
That being said, we gave you our takes. Now we want to hear yours, ODPH Society. Hit us up on the hashtag. Hashtag ODPHpod. What is your thoughts about the Miss Marvel trailer? Let's talk about it, shall we? We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hey all, I'm Frank. Join me and my friends as we talk about all things geek. Here at Geek Freaks Podcast, we go over the weekly news of everything in geekdom. From movies to TV, video games, and comic books. We also have a growing YouTube community. Join us as we go over everything in your geek life and share in the love of geekdom. Coming back for another segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast. And last week, we didn't get a chance to recap The Walking Dead. And we heard you, ODPH Society. We're back with it this week. We told you we are going to come with it because, obviously, in the final season, Asterix, we have to go deep dive about the show we've been here for 11 years now. We can't walk away from. Yeah. We're trying to, but we can't because every time that they say they're done, we keep on hearing about more spinoffs getting announced. Just when we think they're out, they're pulling us back in. Oh, my God, man. I still can't get over We're going to have a Maggie and Negan spinoff. I mean, I'm excited for the locale. I am, too. I'm, I'm like, I'm good with it. And we talked about this on last week's episode with SWO Productions. Shout out to Stu for swinging through. But at this stage in the game, it's like, how are we going with this group forward? Like, this right. this should not be going on. Like, give them the one and dones. Like, give them their flowers and let them go. But no, we're sticking with this, and we're still going on because reasons. I, I, still, yeah. haven't, I still haven't figured out. Like, as a fan, I get why. Or no, like, as somebody that understands about business and such with this, I understand because they're still generating views. They're still generating a lot. There's a lot of reasons why this show is still going. But as oh, a yeah. but as a fan, it's like all right, give it closure already. Like it, it to me this show doesn't have that supernatural vibe where like they could have kept going if they wanted. Right. Like this point it's like all right, it feels like it's a dead corpse that needs to be put up, put down. Well, you think about it and over the time of Robert Kirkman's adaptation come to life, we have gone through most of the storylines. We have gone through Major characters getting killed off. We've had some of the regulars that we thought would be there until the, the very end leave. Mm. And it's a different group. They're still doing the same stories, which is not a bad thing, mind yeah. you. But it's like at this stage, okay, we're doing 24 episodes as a swan song, and then we're doing three spinoff shows. Right. That we know of. Yeah. Like I'm still saying, we might have like, you know, another one get announced. And I'm Maybe just trying a to cooking show with Carol. Yeah. I mean, that could absolutely happen. That'd be actually kind of fun. I'd be down for that. But nevertheless, we have to go back and recap about what's going on currently. So we are going to be talking spoilers of the latest episode of The Walking Dead titled The Lucky Ones. So if you have not seen the episode and you don't want to get spoiled, let me tell you, pause the episode right here because we like to talk spoilers. We give the one statement of why it's spoiler free and we kind of go from there. But then after the countdown, it's fair game because we don't want to hold anything back. But we don't want to ruin it for you. So all that being said, in three, two, one. One. Pad, what did you think? Uh, I thought it was a good episode. Not the best one they've ever done, but I still enjoyed it. You know, the one thing when they're going through this segments as they do in the eight episodes, it it doesn't feel like it's bookended. It feels like it's a continuation and we're just going to take a break. Right. And I know that we are at, if I'm doing my math right, mm-hmm. We are currently at episode four. So we're at like the midway point yep. of this. This batch. This batch of it. 
And I get the sense of, like, we haven't even deep-dived into what's going on here. No. So, like, when the midseason break happens in April. Right. Am I going to go walk away from this going, like, man, I can't wait to see it come back? Yeah, I mean, we had the cliffhanger at the, well, quote-unquote cliffhanger, at the end of the first episode back where it was, like, you know, flash forward. It was, like, six months or something. It's like, holy shit, you've got uh, Daryl ready to face off with Maggie. How the fuck are we going to get there? And it's now it's like a long sauntering walk through the woods. It's gonna take its time to get there. Mm-hmm. It's just one of those aspects is not really connecting. And like I say, to take the long route about this, like this is the problem I had when we were dragging out the war with Negan, right? And we had so many communities involved. It's almost and... it's almost too much slice of life and not enough action. Exactly, that's a perfect way to put it. And I feel like with this show. They're taking their scenic route, but this, I will say, was one of their better episodes. I wasn't as mad watching it, so to speak. Sure. Because we did get a very quick summary of last episode, which I know we didn't really cover, but we'll just kind of deep dive into. It explained Eugene and Stephanie's love affair, and we found out that more or less he was getting catfished. Uh Uh-huh. To put it mildly. Yeah. And we do see that the woman who is contacting Eugene, well... Is not exactly Stephanie. No. But, Pad, who was she? Uh, it was a woman she had sent to meet with him because she was scared to talk to him. Yes, because we find out that that was Mercer's sister. <coughs> which, if you know anything about how the Commonwealth is set up, because the Commonwealth is like this weird fantasy time war place in the Walking Dead universe where yeah. the zombie apocalypse has apparently not happened. Yeah. And we still have not figured out how. They're trying to put life back to normal as fast as possible right and it's this weird like bizarro land that is just not making any sense because the commonwealth seems like yeah everything's up and running i mean the only thing they don't have is the internet to my knowledge even though i'm not doubting it at this time i don't think they do like they might have you imagine they're they're, pretty far along all things considered but they're not that far it's kind of crazy because their leader who is the i i can't say the governor because obviously if you follow the walking dead it'd be too confusing so um their head person, Pamela. Yeah, yeah the governess. Yes, the governess. Uh, good, we're going to run with that. Uh, Layla Robbins is playing her. Uh, is really trying to establish that this is the perfect utopia in this zombie wasteland. And obviously she has some shady characters around her too. Lance Hornsby, who's played by Josh Hamilton, who is just absolutely giving you those weird, creepy vibes. Yeah. And obviously the the muscle of the group. Uh, which is Mercer, played by Michael James Shaw, yep. who is you know a devoted follower, much along the lines of how Norman Reese's Daryl Dixon was to Andrew Lincoln's Rick Grimes. Yep. So they are kind of establishing, like, there is more going on with this utopia that they want to let on, but they're trying to be so endearing to the survivors who have been trying to fight and claw their way just to live mm-hmm. that everybody's willing to look past it. And this is one of the things that with Eugene... He has been doing as well because he is just grasping for anything at this point. Josh McDermott, I will say, has been playing this character a lot better than I ever thought he would be in the comics. Oh, absolutely. So, like, I have no issues with how his performance is because he is just kind of grown in his own role. And it feels more organic, like, in comparison to Father Gabriel, who's played by Seth Gilliams, who's suddenly now trying to become Daryl 2.0, which is like... So he's now like Arnold Schwarzenegger in The Predator. Yeah, it's it's a weird thing seeing here because... They sum up their storyline, and they open where Eugene confronts Max, as she's known as, and that's Mercer's sister, and basically runs away heartbroken and, and can't deal with the fact that he was catfished. Yeah. Understandable. Yep. Not arguing with that at all. 
And then you flash forward a little bit to where the governess is now trying to recruit more communities outside the Commonwealth. Like yeah. more, The vibe I got, and let me know if you agree with this or not. Uh-huh. Since she does come from the presidential royalty yep. side of things yep. of the U.S., yep. do you think she's trying to make her own states? Uh-huh. I felt that, too. Yeah, because we'll get to it, but there's a point at the end of the episode that makes me feel that even more. Yeah. Yeah, like she is, yeah. she's really trying to recreate the USA in her own vision. Yeah, because we know from a previous episode that she was, at one point, the president's daughter, so she was very entrenched in the U.S. politics and, and things. But, yeah, I, I got that vibe, too. Yes, because as you're seeing, they're going with their uh, entourage yeah. of soldiers and, and getting drug around in uh, a, a carriage, which, I mean, reasons. It's hey. Walking Dead Universe. I'm not going to argue that. Comics. Yeah, they wind up pulling up to Alexandria. And we do see that Aaron is now apparently the spokesperson here. Well, because Rick is off doing whatever the fuck he's doing. Yeah, Rook, yeah Rick is not involved in the storyline. So they're giving this point to Aaron. Right. So Mar- Ross Marquand is definitely going to run with this. I don't necessarily know if it's going to be the same deal as in the comics. I mean, he's a little more level-headed, so there's that. Yeah, so I think they'll change that from the comics a little bit. And you see that the Pamela, the governess, is trying to politic with him and basically sell the dream. Come with us. Everything's fine. Look Otherwise, at how bright and shiny everything is. And then Aaron, who obviously has seen some stuff in his years, is like, ah, uh, yeah, let's kind of. You're trying it. to sell me some chicken salad that smells like chicken shit. Exactly. So he's like not really hearing it too much. And he's because kinda... even I've said, I'm sorry, your suits are a little too crisp and a little too clean for my liking. Yeah. Like there's just something about this. that just feels wrong that he is definitely fighting with but he's willing to listen i mean that's the one thing that in comparison to some other members of the alexandria coalition you know he's at least the guy that should be intervening here because i could see a few other ones just going completely off the handle and then you do see the baron i want to say the baroness but it's the governess uh you know really trying to push through there and just kind of go through there's a photo of the leadership group yeah which i thought was kind of interesting and uh, you know like how they want to try, you know, selling that a little bit, I thought was kind of interesting. But, you know, like, it, it's just weird to see all this kind of, like, unfolded because this just feels like way too much of a dream sequence going on. Yeah. And now you got Norman Reedus' Daryl, who's now buying in. Yeah. And I love how he's just completely, like, been the right-hand guy of, of Rick. Yep. Fighting everything involved. Yep. And is, like, now all of a sudden, like, you know what? I'm in. I don't have to do the little heavy work anymore. I'm done. I'm down. Yeah, like it's a crazy scenario to see what's going on here. And, you know, she's trying to really sell the point about, like, why you should come with us. And everybody's been, like, very, very hesitant about this. And this will kind of come into play a little bit because when they get Maggie involved, and she does make a dramatic appearance in the show, or this episode, rather, this is when things get a little blurry. And I do like how they're setting this up. So I will say they're doing this right. Yeah. I know they did focus a little bit more on Ezekiel and Carol during this episode, too. Because, obviously, Ezekiel is sick with cancer Yeah. at this point. Uh, Kari Payton, who plays Ezekiel, has been doing a really great job with this as well. And Carol, Melissa McBride, has been really doing some things behind the scenes that come off very... I'm not sure how to feel about Carol's back story going on here. Like, what's sure. your vibe with this? I got no good feelings about it. 
No, because we've seen her kind of go into the hospital that's in Alexandria, start tampering with yep. files, yep. getting really messy around with it. And, I mean, obviously her, her methods are noble because she's trying to save Ezekiel. So I, I get why. Like, not mad about it. Like, I get it. But it's just like you're in a completely new territory here. What are you doing? And do you not think that you're going to trip off some alarm? Because so Why are you snooping this hard? Exactly, because you don't understand this. And, like, you don't understand that this is not a familiar territory. Even though Carol is a badass on the show, still, yeah. this is uncharted water for you because you're not used to being back in civilization after all these years. Do you not think that they have a camera set up somewhere? You would think. Yeah, because obviously she winds up fixing something that he gets his surgery bumped up to save him and definitely, you know, extend his life on here, which is great. Like I said, oh, the, yeah. the reasons behind it are noble, no issues about this as well. But what goes on from here is they're going to be fighting at the end because Ezekiel has realized, like, Carol, what are you doing? Uh-huh. And you're tampering with what we've had here. Yeah. So it's kind of like an ear, like a weird thing going on with this. So it's another story that's going to kind of play on with some more drama that, you know, if Ezekiel does survive, how is this all going to factor with them moving forward? Because obviously everybody that has accepted the Commonwealth doesn't want to get kicked out. No. And if Ezekiel is found tampered with this, even though he had nothing to do with it, what do you think is going to happen to him? Nothing good. Exactly. So they do go back, though, to the the governess. I'm, I keep saying Baroness. And we do see that as they're kind of going through, well, she winds up coming across Maggie's group mm-hmm. as they're going through, and they're getting in the midst of a zombie attack. Yeah. And then you see everybody else come through and save the day and basically bail off Maggie. Yep. And Maggie, obviously, Lauren Cohen, is, who's been playing her, uh, is very, very hesitant mm-hmm. because I would say at this point, and please correct me if I'm wrong, Pad. Yeah. Is she probably the most jaded out of everybody right now? Uh-huh. She is buying absolutely none of what they're selling. Yeah. So even though Maggie is running Hilltop, it's still not, you know, she's still not willing to go into business with the governess. And I get why. I mean, obviously, since Maggie had left the group and, you know, for, for whatever reason, I mean, we know why, but, yeah. you know, like she was doing another show. Uh since she's returned, like she has been very cold and very hardened and very un- calculating. Yeah, you know, like almost, like almost in a weird sense, like Negan, kind of, almost, which kinda. is a bizarre thing to see. But she is very much declining anything the Hilltop is selling or the Commonwealth is selling. Rather, she'd rather stay at Hilltop and take her chances. Meanwhile, everybody else that she's with is basically like, "Listen, this is the only way out. We don't have another option here." And this is where uh, Lance comes in. Right. And he, you know something is going on with here. I don't trust this dude any further than I can throw him. Yes, because he is thinking, he's got bigger aspirations than we all know about. This dude's got psychotic murder written all over him. Oh, yeah, like if, if there's going to be a downfall of the Commonwealth, it's going to be him. Oh, yeah, he's he's absolutely got ulterior motives. Yeah, because as we see, like he is pressuring everybody basically, join us, join us, join us. Uh-huh. And he's not willing to take no for an answer. Like he's being very more aggressive. So from when we first saw him in, in his debut here in the Commonwealth in the Walking Dead universe, he has become slowly unhinging. Mm-hmm. And we're seeing that to the point now where he's fighting with Aaron to basically – 
Like, sign your rights over. Yeah. You know, you, you want to be part Why of Why are you asking questions? Just do it. Yeah, like, it's kind of a weird vibe going on. And he's trying to, like, you know, emphasize, like, well, you know, we're, we're the same. You know, we're the same. I went through what you did. I understand what you mean. Like, it's been so so much of a struggle fighting. And yet Aaron's kind of, like, still, like, I don't, I don't, I don't really know. Like, this is not going to make this happen. But basically, it's basi- it comes down to Aaron is just saying, whatever Maggie wants to do, I'm going to do. Yep. That's kind of the vibe from it. And Maggie is just basically, like... I'm not feeling this. And then Hornsby. Nah, we're good. Yeah, he's just basically saying, well, if you're not with us, you're against us. And you're going to be on your own. Like, I don't, I'm done with you. They've been doing fine on their own. Well, that's the whole thing. It's Maggie is a survivor and been doing this. And this is something crazy. And then even when the governess comes in and she finally has the heart-to-heart with Maggie, which I think is what should have been done from the original jump. Uh-huh. This is where you can understand the diplomacy going on here. Yeah. Like, in like, this is what Pat and I were alluding to about how they're trying to form the United States here under, you know, one zombie after all. It's kind of like a weird thing to see, but this is where Pamela and Maggie are really kind of coinciding and just like venting about like, okay, this is what we can do. And yeah. you know what? You can only fight for so long, but there's only going to be so much that's happening here. And everybody is just basically tired of fighting and, mm-hmm. and coming up on their own. Even though Aaron is trying to be diplomatic and talk to Maggie about it, it's still not going through. And he's, like, he's seeing some positive stuff with this or some possible positive outcomes with this. And he's really trying to sell it, but she ain't buying it. Yeah, she she's definitely not hearing any of it. But as the governess is trying to say, like, listen, I made a personal appearance out here for you. I should never leave the Commonwealth. Yeah. I'm risking my life because I feel yours is worth that much. So they are really going hard about this to get them involved. But the only thing that's kind of really crazy about this is during this whole ordeal, Mm -hmm. there is a zombie attack on Maggie's camp. Yep. Now, Pad, when you saw this episode, what did you think was who was responsible for this? Uh, I figured it was probably set up by one of the folks from the Commonwealth that like whether directly like whether they directly like unleashed had had them in a cage and unleashed them towards the thing or whether they just steered them in the direction towards uh, hilltop. I was convinced somebody from Commonwealth had something to do with this. Yeah, I fully thought it was Lance. And I'm going to stick to my guns about this one. They were trying to put fear into Maggie's followers. They, oh, you look at how bad things are. They figured that, oh, you they won't be able to handle this. They'll need us to come in there. And they were partially right. That like, oh, see, look at this. You need us. And they're like, nah, we're still good. No, they're still good. And especially, though, during that zombie attack, you saw that the army of the Commonwealth that is there, including Daryl, wind up taking out that zombie herd. With uh, Maggie in the line of fire, essentially. Yeah, which I go, these guys are the best marksmen I've ever seen in the 11 years of this Walking Dead universe. Not wrong. Nobody missed. There was no misfires. There was nothing. And like they say, Maggie was completely around them. Yeah. Like the zombies. Like there was... She was she was off to the side, but she was still downwind of the gunfire. Yeah, like there was something like the fact that she walked away unscathed. I understand it's TV, but still impressive. She was off to the side, though. Right. But this was enough to start scaring people from her camp to defect to the Commonwealth. Yep. And this is something that, at the end of the day, the Baroness won. I'm sorry, the governess. I'm going to say yeah. I'm going to say that for the entire run we're talking about the show. You're gonna you you finally see that Pamela won. 
And she now has more people coming into that camp. Yeah. And then there's that weird ending of the show. Yep. Which Pamela is talking to Lance, and Lance is, like, not being patient at all. Yeah, I mean, there's a whole exchange going where, uh, you know, we still have Alexandria. I just need time to get the other two, she says. You know, and he brings up all of it being a bold move. You know, he he understands, you know, why she wanted to do why it's appealing. And then he goes, oh, somebody needs to, you know, and here comes here comes the ploy, why he's involved in all this and why he's there. Someone had, needs to run them right. And she just looks at him cold-heartedly and goes, I'm going to pretend you're doing this for the good of the Commonwealth rather than your own ends. Yeah. She knows what he's up to. Oh, absolutely. Like, he's telegraphed himself. And then he goes out into the woods. And this is what gets really weird as if you didn't already believe this guy is cuckoo for cocoa puffs yeah he starts going out into the woods and he starts firing a gun out in the air to draw zombies to him Uh uh-huh which aaron has to come out and talk to him and basically be like uh so what are we doing here yeah and then basically lance is playing everybody because he's he's saying no everything's fine we're gonna remake the world yeah with like a crazed look in his eye yeah and absolutely crazy crazy look in his eye and that's how the episode ends it's kind of an interesting play that they're doing that lance is now breaking after three episodes yeah that's the only thing i really have to say like it was a solid episode for the most part and like i say we might have been a little vague about what was going on because there was a lot of talking between yeah, yeah. pamela and a lot of politics yeah it was a lot of politics this episode which i i understand for the storyline purposes and i get that and i'm not upset about that but it was just like there wasn't a lot of memorable moments during these talking points that they no. had, except when Pamela met with Maggie. And really, they had a heart-to-heart about like everything going on. And this is where Maggie still was like, listen, I understand what you're trying to do, and I think it's very noble, and I, I think it's great. I'm not doing it. I am fully not sold on what you're doing. But after this zombie attack, now all of a sudden her people are saying, you know what? I'm with them. I'm going mm-hmm. to leave. I'm tired of doing this. This is the best option we've ever had. And even though Maggie is still going to take her chances with her remaining group of survivors. The other side stories going on, like I said, with Eugene and Ezekiel are going to still play out. Because, I mean, I understand they were trying to push, like, Ezekiel is now going to start dating Mercer's sister. Yeah. Like, they, they got back together after the heart-to-heart with Rosita, which, I mean... I understand why for the storyline purposes, but I don't think there was anything really noteworthy about that exchange. No. So I didn't want to even deep dive into it. And then the whole thing now is how Carol's covering her tracks for, you know, basically getting Ezekiel on the surgery list. Right. Because once that's exposed, I fully think he's gone. Oh, yeah. So this is going to be all for naught. But the major point of this episode was the governess is now making her new regime take hold of this world. Uh Uh-huh. And either you're going to be a part of it or you're not going to be around to see it. As cold as that sounds, that's what's going to happen because when Lance Hornsby gets involved, that's going to be the ultimate endgame. And it's nothing good. Absolutely not. We gave you our takes. Now we want to hear yours, ODPH Society. Hit us up on that hashtag. Hashtag ODPHpod. What is your thoughts about The Walking Dead, The Lucky Ones, from the last season midway through... However you want to define it. We definitely want to talk some Walking Dead with you. So definitely hit us up on that hashtag and we'll go from there. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hey, this is Chris. And Lance. Asking you to check out our new podcast, Comic Book Keepers. Join us as we delve deep into comic lore to uncover the history behind a wide variety of comic book characters. Each episode will feature one hero, villain, team, or ensemble. 
and break down what makes these heroes super. We'll give you recommendations on what storylines to read. Explain how characters were created. Discuss adaptations, costumes, and answer comic fandom's what-if questions. Yeah, and spoiler alert, these conversations can get pretty nerdy. This is Comic Book Keepers. Coming back for another segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast. And we could not go another week without deep diving into the Kenobi trailer. You tried, but I put my goddamn foot down. Yeah, Pad was like, we're not doing a show next week unless we talk about this trailer. We have to. And I rightfully so, because obviously this is one of the most anticipated projects in all of comic pop culture fandom. Uh-huh. Uh, this, listen, Obi-Wan Kenobi and Star Wars are two things that really transcend all of pop culture. Like, you may not know the, the face, but you know the name. Everyone's heard the name. Everyone's heard some of his sayings. They're, so, they're very well quoted. You know, and I would say the bar for this is as high as it's been for anything Lucasfilm and Star Wars has done since maybe The Force Awakens. Mm-hmm. You know, where obviously the bar was very high for The Force Awakens, its first major project in however many, 10 years. You know, obviously the bar was very high for the other stuff, but in terms of like, listen, this is a fan favorite and a world favorite character, the anticipation is very high for this show. Unrightfully so, obviously, when you're taking such an iconic character in the Star Wars mythos. Yeah. You've got Ewan McGregor coming back to play him. You definitely went back in the playbook and got Hayden Christensen to make an appearance. Holy fuck. You know, they are going full out. And obviously with the success of The Mandalorian and The Book of Boba Fett and everything else that they have lined up coming to Disney+, Plus, there is such a high interest in everything Star Wars right now coming to the House of Mouse that they are really trying to go all out and leave a lasting impression. Because you know that the only competition they have right now is the MCU. Yeah. But it's all under the same roof, so they all win. So they want to make sure that they take back some part of the spotlight. They definitely have this lined up for May 25th, dropping on Disney+. And obviously, we have some feelings about it as well, so we're going to go into that deep dive. And you know the drill by now. So all that being said, in three, two, one. Pad, what did you think about Kenobi? Holy fuck, this looks awesome. I mean, I, I knew this was going to be great simply because Ewan McGregor is back as Obi-Wan Kenobi. Hayden Christensen is back as Darth Vader. Slash, I'm sure we'll get some flashbacks of him as Anakin Skywalker. You know, But then also the fact that you, you have young Luke, which Mark Hamill has given his praise and his signing off on this young actor playing Luke. He wished him good luck on Twitter. You know, you've got... Uh, Joel Edgerton, yes, that Joel Edgerton reprising his role as Owen Lars because, hey, fun fact, if you didn't know, uh, at the end of Revenge of the Sith, when you see Obi-Wan handing off baby Luke to Owen and uh, Baru Lars, that's Joel Edgerton. You know, you've got him returning to play Owen. It just looks awesome, and I'm super excited for this, and as I said last week, I will reiterate, I didn't know I could get very excited with two goddamn notes, that being the two notes from Duel of the Fates. I heard those and I went, oh, fuck, goosebumps. Yeah, absolutely. This trailer lived up to the hype. I think that it teased enough. And then if you're not as a well-knowledged Star Wars fan such as Padawan J, it left a lot that you were, like, intrigued by. Yeah. And I really was because I do know some of the mythos. I'm not sure. as, I'm not as the expert as Pat is. But it, this left me going, okay, maybe, just maybe, I'll understand what the hype is all about this. Other than just... 
Obi-Wan Kenobi's coming back. This is Uncharted Water for such right. an iconic character. There is reasons for the show, but we finally get a little taste of what this is going to be unveiling. And quite frankly, I thought they really hit it out of the park. Like, oh, absolutely. For all the hype that's been involved with this, it gave enough. It didn't give everything away. Right. There's a couple questions I have, but as I know when I watch the show, I'll start getting some answers to it. Because as we start off, there, where else would they be, Pat? Tatooine. Yep. Home of Luke Skywalker. You see some figures walking in the distance in the desert. We do see inside of Tatooine. Obi-Wan Kenobi is kind of doing a voiceover. The fight is over. We lost. Yeah, we all like, listen, it's over. We lost. Yes, and you see him sitting there, like, overlooking the desert as well. There's a shot of him. It looks like he's in a canyon. Yep. Now, Pad, I am curious for your thoughts. Uh-huh. There is something sitting next to him. Yeah. Any speculation on what? Maybe like a canteen, maybe like a little droid or something he has, you know, because it is the desert. It, it is lacking on water. So it would make sense if he's spending long hours of the day uh, watching over Luke, you know, protecting him from Tusken Raiders and, you know, whatever other ne'er-do-wells like to go rolling through the desert. You know, it would make sense for him to have something to keep him hydrated. I was thinking it was either something of the lightsaber-esque Maybe. You know, carrying or, maybe. or like, at, maybe I've seen too much of the Mandalorian. I was like thinking maybe he's with Grogu. <laughs> you know, like it's just something I mean, like Grogu that. Grogu is technically around. Yeah, that's the whole point. So he's it's around. like you, you never really know at this stage, but I know we're just doing super speculating, but I thought that was kind of interesting that it's an object that we don't know from this distance yeah. what it is, yeah. but it's noteworthy because it stands out. Yeah. So is it something of a lightsaber? Is it something of a canteen? Or is it something more? Right. I think that's going to play into it a little further as we go. I mean, it could just be uh, binoculars as well, too. But I just think it's so odd that it stands out there. Because then, speaking of binoculars, we do get a shot of Obi-Wan watching from a distance uh-huh. a young Luke. Yeah, he's looking on the Lars homestead. You see, so, of course, you see the famous uh, building where the family lived you see the obvious uh kind of sinkhole down into there with the moisture evaporator sitting there you know and he zooms in and you see a young luke skywalker sitting on the doorway into the homestead very obviously you know much like his father did racing pods steering a uh a ship of some variety we don't know what he's he's imitating he's playing like he's piloting a ship but he's doing it with binoculars on his face much like his father wore yeah so it's a very cool throwback scene and then they play two notes that Pad was alluding to. Well, first you get memed where it with him, the meme that's now circulating the internet, which I love the fuck out of, <laughs> Obi-Wan with the binoculars looking up. And then in the meme, you post some photo, and then it's him looking down with the binoculars down. But then, yes, you do get the two notes, the opening two choral notes of Duel of the Fates as the Lucasfilm logo shows up and then disappears like sand in the desert. Yes. Thought it was a very cool sequence of events there. Why you gotta pull my heartstrings with Duel of the Fates? God damn it! Yes, and then we do see a spaceship flying in, mm-hmm. and it's the voice of the Grand Inquisitor, as we yes, find out. The Grand Inquisitor, played by uh, Rupert Friend. Now, Pad, you know a little history about these characters? Yeah, so the Inquisitors are a group of fallen Jedi who got kind of corrupted and turned to the dark side by the Emperor. And were put under the purview of Darth Vader to hunt down Jedi who managed to escape uh, Order 66. Because, hey, surprise, more than just Yoda and Obi-Wan made it out of Order 66 alive. Yeah. So, basically, Vader couldn't be everywhere. 
they needed a force to kind of go around and hunt down the Jedi that kind of popped up or a rumor would pop up and they'd go investigate it and kind of go from there. So this is the group that, you know, kind of hunts down the Jedi. They are force sensitive. You know, uh, we first got introduced them to them in the series. Uh, what was it? Star Wars Rebels, mm-hmm. you know, where you had the Grand Inquisitor made his appearance. You know, there was a couple others that got introduced there. Uh, we've seen one, some in the comics, and then there was one in Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. You know, I think up to this point, we're up to maybe 12 or 13, something like that, that have been introduced. Yeah. You know, but they're all, they're trademarked by, you know, wearing black armor, black capes, black helmet. And they've also got a dual bladed red lightsaber where the hilt spins. Like they hold the hilt, but then there's this like circular device around it, which spins the blade circular so that they don't have to do it themselves. It's really fucking cool. Yeah, it definitely looked very cool. And then we get another shot of a of a, a racer of some sort flying through and Obi-Wan is, is on there as well. And he's yeah. kind of contemplating what's going on. And as he goes into town, well, he sees more of the Inquisitors come in. And yeah. obviously they decided to make a statement by killing somebody. Right. And you do see that Uncle Owen is standing there watching as well. Yeah, and you do have the voiceover by the Grand Inquisitor where it's basically like, hey, the Jedi can't, can't help what they are. You know, their compassion, the code, it's like an itch they need to scratch. Yes. So it's a very cool thing to see happen here because then they flash back to a more modernized planet, which I, I'm not sure where they are here. I'm going to guess it might be um, where the Huts live, Nalhada. Okay. It, it seems like it's an underworld crime world kind of thing. I know Narshada was an old planet in the uh, old canon. I don't know if they've brought it into the new canon. I haven't read everything, surprisingly. Um, <laughs> but Narshada was, I know, like an underworld kind of crime planet. Maybe it's that maybe they brought that in. Uh, it, it looks like it's a crime world type of planet. Yes, and as we see... Obi-Wan is on that planet. He's trying to walk around, but you've seen the the Empire is definitely making their appearance as well. Yeah. You do see one of the very cool moments where the Inquisitor is using the blade as a propeller. Uh-huh. I mean, that was just a very cool scene to see. Oh, yeah. And then you kind of just go on into this crazy world that they're in. Like I said, the Empire has definitely taken over this planet. So wherever they are. And they're looking for something because you do see a shot of one of the Inquisitors like doing one of those like slide over the hood of a car type of thing. Yep. In this instance, it's a table. Confront somebody and they go, where is he? Yes. So the, obviously the hunt might be on for Obi-Wan Kenobi. And it was, we do see there is a shootout on top of a rooftop involving uh-huh. Obi-Wan. So he is there at a planet, so there's a reason he is there. Yep. And as we kind of see him in the distance, he's looking over in the desert. Like So they do flash back to Tatooine to close out the trailer. Right. We don't know who or what he's looking at. So that's going to be a big mystery that they play into this as well, and then they end with the credits of the, the uh, trailer as well. So they did tease enough mm-hmm. that there is a lot of questions about, okay, where are we going with the show? Well, and we know because it's been confirmed that there will be a confrontation between... Uh, Obi-Wan and Vader. Yes, at some point. There, there will be, a, in these, I believe it's six episodes. Yes. You know, there will be a confrontation between Vader and, Obi- and Obi-Wan. I mean, we get as much because you do hear um, Battle you do hear battle of the Heroes played at the end of the trailer. You also hear Vader breathing, and they also do play some of the end notes from Anakin's Dark Deeds. Yes. So we do know Hayden Christensen is supposed to be involved in all six episodes. Yes. So to what degree, we don't know. We know he's playing Vader because right. Entertainment Weekly had a piece last week in their uh, issue 
and one of the photos that was posted was of Hayden in the uh, Vader suit. Now, it wasn't like with the helmet off, but like we saw the fucking suit with the helmet, and you know the outfit, and you know the silhouette. Absolutely. So we know he's playing Vader. I would presume, and this is nothing, spoilers, nobody's told me anything, this is just kind of my guessing, I would presume we might see some flashbacks. I think you have to. I don't think he's going to be in the suit all the time, but I think you're going to have enough flashbacks, maybe of an old case that Obi-Wan's trying to close up. I could see them going that route for the show because it's just very telling that Obi-Wan is on a a solo mission by himself, off Tatooine, and in completely over his head. Uh Uh-huh. So how is this going to unfold forward? Did, Did somebody grab Luke, possibly? You know, you have to think. It's one of those situations for Obi-Wan to take on all this threat by himself. Yeah. There's a lot going on that we don't know about. I mean, also, my speculation is in terms of will we see anything crazy. I brought this up with Tom from Off the Cup Gaming because I saw him uh, over the weekend. And he asked me what I thought of the trailer. And I, we were just talking about it. I go, wouldn't it be nuts because the uh, Inquisitors are here. This is around the same time as Jedi Fallen Order. Wouldn't it be wild if we saw Cal Kestis from Jedi Fallen Order, who was played by Cameron uh, Moynihan, you know, uh, uh, Joker from the uh, Gotham Gotham series. He's about the right. He's he. Listen, they used his body and his features in motion capture for the game. He's the right age. He spoiler alert. He doesn't die in the game. I told Tom, wouldn't it be wild if he showed up in this? Because, hey, Obi-Wan goes off world could run into him. It's a wild thought, and it's not out of the realm of thought. I mean, that's the one It'd thing. It'd be a fun tie-in, too. It's one of the things they're doing on this Disney Plus universe. They're really taking the time about going into deep lore and bringing in characters from the animated shows and all that that you never know who you're going to see pop in. Also, if you haven't played Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order, you absolutely fucking should because with the exception of Rogue One, it is the second craziest appearance Vader makes in that game. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, my God. But this is why the show lives up to that hype, because you, with all the speculation you got going on, like I said, they didn't give away a lot. Uh-huh. We did see enough that we're definitely excited about the show. Yes. And now the countdown is on until May 25th. Final thoughts on this trailer, Pat? Fucking hell, is it May 25th already? I need this show now. I'm with you on this. I'm more excited about this than I thought I was going to be, because they've really taken the time to do some very cool special effects about the cities they're going to in the outworlds. This is the standard that they've now set up on Disney Plus for Star Wars. I fully expect Kenobi to hit all marks. There's definitely a lot of hard work behind this, and I think we're going to finally see it when it all plays out on May 25th on Disney+. Plus. Mm-hmm. So we gave you our takes. Hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPHpod. Kenobi, what is your thoughts, ODPH Society? Let us know. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. This is Tom from Tom Joe Lou. This is Matt from Sideroom Sounds. And you're listening to ODPH Podcast. Wanna go where no one knows my name To the desert, the oceans, or the plains Cause I wanna go Coming back for the final segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast. I just got football news I don't want to talk about. So let's talk, <laughs> let's talk about happier things right now. This yeah. is, we do it live, folks. We yeah, do it live. We do. God, if only we were rolling the tape on his reaction to the Von Miller Bills news. Boy, you'll get that next week when he's oh, cal- when he's calmed down. Tuesday's ODPH is going to be epic for this one. We're going to have to see if we can get coaching for that one. Oh, my God. Okay. Oof. Happy thoughts. 
Cheer me up, Pat. I uh, got a couple things to talk about. One, uh, we'll just briefly mention uh, The Flash, which came back after its long hiatus uh, last week. Didn't really get into the discussion too much about it because it really wasn't all that much, you know, to talk about. It was just essentially catching up because obviously at the end of the last episode, we saw Bart and Nora showing up in the photo of the police uh, force from 2013, 2014, whatever it was. And it kind of filled us in and how they got there. All the antics ensued. I'm sure we'll go forward with the story this week. So we'll get into that. Okay. Uh, going forward, the rest of my bases, as soon as I can find my mouse, there it is. Uh, I've got a couple things to talk about. One of which I am super excited for. And if you are not aware, I, uh, Hey, uh, friendly PSA. Uh, I've said for years, if anybody is able to land the Dragon Ball Z franchise and the Dragon Ball franchise on their streaming service, it would be the greatest streaming service of all time. Uh, Crunchyroll, you are now the greatest streaming service of all time. Because thanks to the partnership and the purchasing and the merging of uh, Crunchyroll and Funimation, yesterday as we record, every episode of Dragon Ball, Dragon Ball Z, and Dragon Ball GT, if you watch that even though it's not canon, are now available to watch on Crunchyroll. This is, of course, joining Dragon Ball Super, which aired there uh, when they, after like the hour after, so they air in Japan, and then like after they were done airing in Japan, it would go up on Crunchyroll. I remember watching those as they dropped. Oh, cool. Uh, the three series will, can be streamed in the United States, Canada, Australia, and New Zealand. So this is every episode of Dragon Ball, so that's 153 episodes with subtitled and dubbed. Uh, Dragon Ball Z, it's all 291 episodes with the English dub. Nice. And then Dragon Ball GT, seasons one and two, 64 episodes with the English subbed and dubbed. Holy shit, this is awesome. Uh, I've got to admit, I've already started watching Dragon Ball last night. I got to get into it. I know I got to go check my account and see how that's going, but that's a hell of a lineup, man. It's a great lineup. Uh, Sticking with more streaming news, obviously with uh, Warner Media and Discovery Plus merging together into one mega super broadcasting, whatever the hell you want to call it, kind of left folks wondering, hmm, Warner Media's got HBO Max, and yep. Discovery Media's got Discovery Plus. I wonder what will happen between the two. Hmm. Wonder no more, folks, because, well, we got an idea what's going to happen, but in what form it's going to happen, we're not quite sure yet. Uh, because uh, according to an article from Variety.com, uh, the headline reads, HBO Max and Discovery Plus will be combined into one platform. Uh, and the article reads in part, quote, Discovery, which is about to become Warner Brothers Discovery within the next month when its merger with AT&T's Warner Media closes, has confirmed its plans to combine its streaming service, Discovery Plus, and Warner Media's HBO Max into one service rather than offer the two platforms as a bundle. Now, as an aside, this isn't AT&T in Discovery sure. merging. AT&T is spinning off Warner Media. They're getting rid of Warner Media. Discovery Media is buying it. So Warner Media and Discovery are going to be coming into one. AT&T is not going to be a part of, of Discovery in any way, shape, or form. They're done. They're, well, AT&T is going back to just doing television or uh, just doing phones. Okay. They're not doing it. They're not going to own or be have their hands in anything Warner Media related. I know the article said merging with AT&T's Warner Media, but Warner Media is its own thing now. Uh, the article goes on to say, Discovery CFO Gunnar uh, Weinsfelds, uh, who will serve as CFO of the newly combined Warner Bros. Discovery, said Monday during the Deutsche Bank 30th Annual Media, Internet, and Telecom Conference that Discovery is making preparations to combine the two streamers, make, uh, marking the first time the company has actually revealed its post-merger strategy for Discovery Plus and HBO Max, amid speculation they could remain solo platforms with bundling options. 
But before they are combined, Weinsfeld says the first step during integration will be some form of bundling while the, new, while the new company figures out the best way to merge the two platforms. So in some way, shape, or form, these two platforms are going to combine into one. What form that's going to take, we don't know. But at some point down the road, we will inevitably have our 90-day fiancé and Peacemaker crossover. Book it now. Oh, my God. I need this in my life. I had this idea yesterday, and I think it's a brilliant idea. Uh, Warner Bros. Media or whatever, you can have that idea. You know, this will be interesting to see how this all shakes up. Yeah. I, I'm not sure what to expect. I mean, I I hope we don't have a price increase I, for the service. It wouldn't surprise me. I w- but I'm fully thinking we're going to. But Probably. It, but it, like at the same time... It's now going to be interesting of what they're going to bring to the table, what they're going to do as the new platform, and really with all the the content they have on there, how this all shakes up is going to be something to watch. And then is this going to domino into anything? I, right. You know, whenever you start talking about streaming services and how that's kind of blown up right now, uh-huh. to be the new kid on the block, so to speak, and try something daring like this could either have great rewards or crash and burn. Oh, yeah. I don't know how this is going to shape. I mean, it's definitely going to be a wide-ranging uh, offer of topics and and genres. I mean, you got the you got the Looney Tunes stuff is on there. You've got the Cartoon Network stuff. And I'm speaking about HBO Max. You've got the Cartoon Network stuff. You've got the Turner Classic Movies stuff on there. You've got the the uh, DC stuff is on there. HBO stuff is on there. But then you've got the Discovery Media Discovery Plus stuff, which is you know TLC. History Channel, Food Network, um, Discovery Channel. You know, it's going to be a lot of stuff. Well, that's what they need, History though. Channel. I almost forgot History Channel. Yeah, but that's what they need, though. I mean, that's the whole thing with that service. Oh, yeah. If you're going to merge that much and you want to stand out, you got to come in with a big splash. Oh, yeah. That's why I say 90 Day Fiance, Peacemaker, Peacemaker crossover. Oh, I need this. I need this. So uh-huh. Bad. Uh, sticking with some more streaming news, we'll do things about Netflix, some good and some bad. We'll, we'll do the good one first. Uh, it was announced by Netflix and the uh, Dr. Seuss estate on Tuesday that they are creating five new animated series and specials for preschoolers based on the work of the famed children's author, Dr. Seuss. Oh, okay. Uh, so the shows will include Horton Hears a Who, The Sneetches, One Fish, Two Fish, Red Fish, Blue Fish, Wacky Wednesday, and Thidwick the Big Hearted Moose. Uh, the screenwriter and producer Dustin uh, Fair, uh, F-E-R-R-E-R, uh, he's the creator of Esme and Roy, will be the showrunner of all of them. Uh, so the article from I'm reading from the New York Times goes on to say, One Fish, Two Fish, Wacky Wednesday, Horton Hears a Who will be a series of various lengths. The Sneetches and Thidwick will both be 45-minute specials. The streaming service did not announce release dates for those shows. Uh, so I think this is a really good idea. I remember, you know, reading those books and having those books read to me when I was a young lad in grade school and loving the absolute hell out of them. I remember there being a... I remember there being a couple of animated movies that were made over the years. You know, uh, uh, Cat in the Hat was one I remember. You know, a bunch of others. So I th- I definitely think this is an avenue you can make for kids because I don't think you can find any of those animated movies that I, I know exist and I know I watched on television as a kid. I don't think you can find them anywhere just because Lord knows who has the rights to them these days or if they're even sitting on any place. Well, any place you can legally watch them. Right. You know, so I think it's a good move. It's a good move. I, I agree with you, too. I mean, it's tough to find that stuff these days. So, yeah. you know, the more the better. Uh, now for the the shitty news from Netflix. Uh, according to an article from Variety, an exclusive article from Variety, Netflix is going to prompt subscribers to pay for users outside of their households in a new test to address unauthorized password Stop. sharing. Stop. 
Uh-huh. Really? So the article reads, Netflix, quote, Netflix will soon launch a test letting primary account holders pay for additional pay an additional fee for users outside their households, a new attempt by the company to address illicit password sharing. According to Netflix Terms of Service, a customer's account may not be shared with individuals beyond your household. After years of turning a blind eye to password sharing behavior that falls outside the requirement, the company last year ran a, limit, a limited test prompting users to enter their account credentials as a way to nudge freeloaders into paying for their own accounts. Now, in an upcoming test launching in three countries, Chile, Costa Rica, and Peru, Netflix will let members who share their accounts with people outside their household do so, quote, easily and securely, while also paying a bit more, according to Cheryl uh, Long, Director of Product Innovation at Netflix. The new options will roll out in the next few weeks for in these three countries uh, and may or may not expand beyond these markets. Uh, so, yeah, fuck you, Netflix. I'm already paying $15 or whatever it is a month for your service. Why the fuck should you care who I share or don't share my password with? Okay. So this, I guess, is where I'm looking. I'm, I'm right there with you, Pat. Yep. For years, this has not been an issue. Uh-huh. Has viewership dropped off to a degree that now you got to try reclaiming losses? I think for Netflix it has. And the article goes on to say, uh, in the test countries, the cost for adding a sub-member is uh, $2.99, you know. Oh, so 3 bucks per Per account, though. So it sounds like because my account, there's I'm on it, my sister's on it, my parents are on it, and my brother's on it. So right there, you've got me. So I'm the I'm the main household. So you've got two ninety nine. So that's three dollars in change. So that's nine dollars in change on top of that. I'm going to be paying if they go through with this. If they end up pulling that, fuck you, Netflix. I'm gone. I'm not going to be paying. $24 and change or whatever it is after tax yeah, yeah, I get you. to use Netflix. Fuck you. I'm S- out. See, no, I, and I understand that argument because I guess I look at it like this. I mean, I only share it with one other person. Sure. I granted, I, I, I don't really have like a, you know, a, a big thing about that, but like if I, if I have to pay for an extra one, like sure. I'm going to be mad about that. But I, at the same time, I think we got to remember too. Netflix went from being the only game in town to one that is really fighting to keep up with the HP or the Disney, Disney Pluses. Pluses yeah. You know, I guess to a certain degree, Hulu, um, Amazon Prime Video, yeah. which is now exploding. Yeah. I guess I the first and foremost, I don't agree with it, but I see it. Oh, I do too. But fuck you. But that's but that's a little steep for it, especially. If you don't have enough engaging content uh-huh. to justify said increase, because if I'm not mistaken, and please correct me if I'm wrong, do they still have the first 30 days free deal? I don't know. Okay. I don't know if they do that, but I know that that might be something that they should look into first. Right. Then trying to charge for a second line, because how many people do we know that will go sign up, watch a show, binge it for a weekend, and then cancel? Right. I'm just saying if you're going to be really penny-pinching, that might be somewhere you want to look at You're penny-pinching, and this is despite the fact that like almost every year for the last five, six, seven years, maybe even longer, prices in the U.S. for Netflix, for, and I'm just talking the basic plan. I'm not even talking you know, the Ultra HD, whatever, you know, yeah, next yeah, yeah. plan up with like five additional accounts that can watch at the same time. I'm talking the basic like three people can watch at the same time. It's gone up every year. 
Like you really hurting that much that like you got to raise the price every damn year. And now you're pulling this shit. Come on. Oh, I, I know. And, and like, that's the whole point. It's like, it's tough to really justify that. Mm-hmm. It really is. So if you're going to continuously raise your stuff, you really have to have content that's engaging. And that's the problem that you face right now because you were the king of the castle and now you're just another member of the of the kingdom. Now like, you're just another fish in the pond. Yeah. So, I mean, unless you're coming up with something really engaging, a la when you had the Marvel Netflix shows, that was right. a big incentive. When you had certain brands that were specifically to you. I understand they're doing the big budget movies like with The Rock and yeah, Ryan yeah. Reynolds yeah. And, and Chris Hemsworth there. So I get it, but at the same time, I would really sit there and, and think about it before you try raising. Think your, before you leave. Yeah, because you've already just done another price increase within the past six months here. Yep. And now you're trying to put on more money for it. If your content, if you feel that your content is justifying it, sure. But then again, your content is so spaced out mm-hmm. and everybody's now forming their own streaming services. It might be something to look and reassess. Because everybody as viewers and subscribers has a point where the price becomes too much where they say, screw this, I'm out. Oh, yeah, especially like and like I say, I've, I've been a subscriber for so long, I don't remember if they got the 30 days for oh, free. I've been, I've been a subscriber since, I can tell you when, it was during the mid-season break of season two of Walking Dead. Because okay. I, I started watching Walking season one of Walking Dead because that was on Netflix, and then I went through other means, which I don't recommend, yeah, uh, to catch up on the first half of season two of Walking Dead. You know, so it's been that long that I've been a subscriber. Yeah. So it'd be interesting to see how this all plays out, but uh, yeah. you're walking a fine line there. Yep. Very fine. Switching over to some happier news. Uh, coming this Thursday, uh, the folks over at PlayStation are going to be having another state of play, uh, which is going to be taking place at 2 p.m. Pacific time, 5 p.m. Eastern time, uh, and then uh, various other times. You can do the math and Google it when it's going to be in your time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but specifically, this will be about a game I'm very excited for, and this will give us our first look at Hogwarts Legacy. Uh, this, is, of course, is the upcoming prequel, I guess, uh, game for uh, the Harry Potter franchise. Uh, so according to an article on uh, the PlayStation blog, which reads, uh, the headline reads, get the first in-depth look at Hogwarts Legacy gameplay from Avalanche on March 17th. Uh, quote, Avalanche Software and Warner Brothers Games are happy to partner with PlayStation to bring you a special edition of State of Play entirely dedicated to Hogwarts Legacy. The broadcast will begin this Thursday, March 17th at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time. Since we first revealed Hogwarts Legacy, the trailer has been viewed over 28 million times on the PlayStation YouTube channel. We promised to share more this year and we're finally ready to deliver on that promise. The show will run for about 20 minutes, featuring over 14 minutes of Hogwarts Legacy gameplay captured on PS5 and concluding with some insight from a few members of the team at Avalanche Software who are bringing the Wizarding World to life. Join us Thursday for this Hogwarts Legacy state of play on Twitch or YouTube at 2 p.m. Pacific time. Don't forget to head back here to the PlayStation blog afterward for a special post that will add a little more context to what we're about to show you. This is an incredible moment that we've been building toward for a long time. We can't wait to show you what we've been working on, close quote. I am super fucking excited for this game because it takes place before the Fantastic Beasts film, before the Harry Potter films. It's set, you know, I think it's like in the 1800s, 1700s, something like that. And it looks like it's going to obviously have a plot, but it looks like you're going to get to live out the fantasy dream I've had since fucking 1997, 1998 when I started reading the books. And that is a video game where I get to create a character 
and go through the experience of being a student at the school to get sorted into one of the houses to go through one of the to go through the classes and learn the spells and have my own adventures and my own you know activities because admittedly i'm never going to be able to go to hogwarts god fucking damn it but I'm going to at least get that, get that experience with this game and to finally see it and finally get some info on it. I'm fucking over the moon. Fans got to be excited about it. No, I mean, I am not a big a, as much of a Harry Potter fan as you are. Sure. I, I do like the movies. Sure. But, yeah, this is something definitely right up the alley. Like, if you've been a diehard since day one, this is right yeah. up your alley. Uh, and then switching over to some Star Wars news, uh, in a surprise, in a move that should surprise absolutely no one, uh, Sam Jackson still wants to play Mace Windu, even though he, well, spoiler alert, died in Revenge of the Sith. Uh, so reading from an article on IGN.com says, quote, during an interview with Josh Horowitz on the Happy, Sad, Confused podcast, Jackson made clear once again that he would return as the purple saber Jedi despite losing a hand and being fried by lightning. <laughs> quote, there's a huge history of people with one hand returning in Star Wars, Jackson made clear. Uh, the last we saw Mace Windu was in Revenge of the Sith after Anakin tells him of Chancellor Palpatine's betrayal. It goes, then it goes into the whole backstory. Uh, however, the Jedi do have a bit of history when it comes to losing a hand. After all, Luke Skywalker had his hand, his lightsaber wielding hand cut off during Empire Strikes Back by Darth Vader. Uh, you know, so Mace Windu or Mace Windu, Sam Jackson wants to play Mace Windu again. I mean, I know a lot of people are like, oh my God, he wants to play him again. Why do we got to keep wanting to bring back dead characters? Like, listen, folks, he's been wanting to do this since like 2005. Yeah, this is nothing new. This, this is nothing new. He's been petitioning for, for it, you know. There's rumors and there's talks of it, but nothing official has been confirmed or even rumored. So, hey, it's just him trying to get something done. I can't be mad about that. No. Uh, and then finally, in a move that very much surprised me, and I, and I could be wrong, but I think this is the first time stateside it, it will have been offered on Blu-ray. Season 1 of Digimon Digital Monsters is going to be released later this year on Blu-ray. Oh, okay. Yeah, so this is a show that uh, I grew up watching. I was all into Pokemon and the Pokemon games and the Pokemon card game. And I still was for a while, but then Digimon came out, and it was like a more teenage version of Pokemon, and mm -hmm. I love the shit out of that. Uh, it's going to be coming out later this year, uh, in specifically 2022 on Blu-ray. Uh, so some of these episodes have never been upgraded or upconverted from HD from their original broadcast to HD. I know they look slightly better on when they were on Netflix. I don't know if they're still there, but you know, they've never been seen in like 1080p, you know, the super nice high definition. And this is going to be the first time they're seen in those frames. Uh, so there will be a two versions of the uh, Blu-ray released. The first will be the Fox Kids English dub, so that's the one that aired here stateside. Later in 2022, there will be an uncut Japanese version also released. Ooh. So I'm super excited. I might have to check this out just because, like I said, I grew up watching the show. I watched, I don't know how many seasons there are, but I watched at least the first three. You know, because it wasn't in a traditional television show it's like oh season starts season end it was just like hey that was the run of the show that's the season yeah you know and then season two was something else entirely different it borrowed some of the characters from first season season three something else entirely different you know so i'm super excited and i'm probably gonna pick this up when it comes out definitely looks interesting yeah. so i know this is right up your alley all right so for me i'm gonna try cheering you up okay. because you know I'm buffalo bills sign of von miller <laughs> and we'll talk tuesday no, but something to cheer you up concerning Netflix. Okay. It was announced that a favorite show of yours is a no return date for season three. Okay. June 22nd, mark the date on your calendars. The Umbrella Academy is coming back for season three. 
So how are you feeling about that, Pat? I'm super excited. I won't be watching it and trying to catch up with everyone. I'll be watching it live. Yes, I'm super excited about that, too. So we'll definitely be ready to rock and roll with that. And coming to streaming services this weekend. Now, this kind of flew under the radar for a lot of people. And I know that, Pat, you're not familiar with this book. It's called DMZ. Okay. Brian Wood and Ricardo Bercelli. Did this book in 2005 under the Vertigo label, which, I mean, like I say, that's the precursor to the Black Label books. Right, DC right. Uh, very cool story. It's basically talking about how there was a second Civil War going oh, okay, on, and, okay. and New York City basically was torn apart uh, during this because it was basically Manhattan was uh, separated, and it was more or less declared a DMZ, a demilitarized zone. zone. Yeah. Rosario Dawson is playing the lead. Nice. So she is uh, starring as Alma in this. Busy individual these days. Absolutely. So this show, like I said, is going to be debuting on HBO Max this Friday, March 17th. So definitely I recommend checking it out. Ava DuVernay is uh, directing the pilot episode. Nice. The first one, too. And like I say, everything about this, if you haven't checked the book out, I highly recommend giving the show a watch and then maybe going back and checking the book out after that. This could be, you know, a big sleeper hit. And I think that if this could be a word of mouth. Sure. Sure. Because this completely flew under my radar. So I did not even realize it was coming out until just recently. So definitely hoping more people get involved with this. And like I said, March 17th, HBO Max, it is dropping. So definitely go check it out. And maybe uh, we'll be talking about it next week. I'm going to see if I can hammer this out. Schedule a little crazy this week. But either way, got to give the final segment here a close with some comic book recommendations because there was a lot this week mm-hmm. on Comixology Original. Shout out to them. We Only Kill Each Other, number five, by Stephanie Phillips and Peter Krause came out. Very cool period piece in the 1930s. It is a fantastic read. I highly recommend it. Also, coming out this week, you know I love to talk about Shadow Man and Valiant Comics. Cullen Bunn and Pedro Andreo have been absolutely killing it right now in the Dead Side War. This is a big event in Valiant's universe. So if you haven't been checking out Valiant lately, I keep screaming on here. You should definitely go give this universe a, a look. They have a lot of stuff coming out this year that you're going to be hyped up about. And like I said, everything Cullen Bunn's been doing with this book and really redefining what Jack Boniface is is definitely worth a read. And also coming out from him... Basilix number eight, which has been an absolutely crazy ride, Pat. Okay. Now, this one, I I say this. They don't pull any punches. They definitely are swinging for the fences. This is absolutely a, uh, it's a very intense read. It's very brutal at times because you're talking about a group of individuals who are superpowered and absolutely no regard for human life, and one person is trying to stop them. They don't pull any punches in this book, like I stress. Uh, Jonas Scharf and Cullen Bunn are the creatives behind this. Cullen Bunn is doing fantastic work, too. If you haven't checked his stuff out, he's absolutely crushing it, as always. But this book is no exception and doing a lot of big things there, too. The story, I know, just came out. The first half just came out on trade paperback not too long ago. Okay. Definitely do yourself a favor to read it. But like I say, it's brutal. It pulls no punches. And this issue, too, really stepped the game up, too, as well. And last on my list, you know I'm a big Power Rangers fan stuff. I I did not think I was going to be converted to this. Granted, I'm not like Tom from Off the Kip Gaming committed yet. Right. But the books they've been doing under Boom Studios has been absolutely phenomenal. And this is now the next wave coming out of the Altarian War, the big crossover Ryan Parrott was doing. Well, Ryan left Mighty Morphin 
So now that's done by Matt Groom. Okay. But he did stay on with Power Rangers uh, with Marco Renna. Oh, so that okay. was So they just flip-flop books. So instead of doing Mighty Morphin, they're doing Power Rangers, which is the saga of the Omega Rangers. And I have to say, if you're looking for a great jump-on point, check this book out. There's a lot of moving and shaking going on with this. And definitely one of the moments that if you are a Power Rangers fan at the end of the book, mm-hmm. there is a moment in this that I feel is going to be one that fans are going to talk about. Okay. It's not going to be as crazy as during the Altarian War. Right. That there was a moment where Zordon in his full armor came out. Which I don't think even I did. Now, admittedly, I haven't seen every episode of Power Rangers with Zordon in it. From the ones I do remember... I don't even remember him coming out of his little thing. Yeah, no, he did in a big way, and there was a confrontation, and I remember actually yelling, let's go! Oh, like, I yeah. I got amped, and I'm like, I don't usually do this when I read books. This was one of those moments that did it, and there was a moment here, I'm like, okay, I see what you're doing, I'm all in, okay, status quo is now set for the next arc, and next for foreseeable future with this book. So definitely want to say go check that out. Power Rangers number 17. Definitely want to get that from Boom Studios. Basics number 8 from Boom Studios. Uh, we Only Kill Each Other number 5 from Comixology. And on Originals, which like I say, is one of the best deals on the planet too. I got highly recommend that. And of course, Shadow Man number 7 there from Valiant Comics. A lot of good stuff at the at the shelves this week, including uh, Radiant Black trade paper back out too. Yeah, There is a lot of good stuff to go Definitely peruse your local comic shop. Go support your LCSs, as always, and go support your favorite independent comic podcasts as well. Man, there's a lot to talk about. But all that being said, Pad, the music you heard on this edition of the ODPH, that's a shout out to the robots. They're fantastic people. They read comics. They check out movies. They watch TV. Yeah. If you want to find out more about them, where do I go? ODPHpodcast.com. Right on. You swing on over to the music section. Check out everything with Shout. Everything with Brian Wolf. Everything with uh, Floodlands, Second Suitor, Tom Jolo, Yard Party. There are so many amazing musicians on there. You definitely need to go check it out. And I'm going to endorse the holy hell out of everybody there. Also, make sure you check out the directory, which has the ODPH on your favorite podcast provider. Pat, how many providers are we on right now? Uh, 11,405. Correct. So if we are not on your favorite podcast player, let us know, and we will get that fixed as quick as possible. Also, check out the classified section, which has... Friends of the show, organizational links support Black Lives Matter. All the amazing pod groups we're in. So shout out to the Inner Circle. Shout out to the Apocalypse, And of course, shout out to 607 Podcast and 8122 Productions. A lot of big things happening over there at the 3FN programming. So if you're on their Patreon, you know it's coming. If you haven't signed up for it, I mean, $1 gets in the door, $3 gets you come see the table. Anything else after that, go talk to Diesel, and I don't want to know about it. I'm just going to leave it at that. Yeah. Because we do have a special announcement coming for 607TWS, which I believe we're going to do next week. A special guest is going to be swinging by oh, okay. for the uh, post-WrestleMania show. Hmm. So we'll tease it a little bit. Um, so it'll be the first time this person has been on the show. He is a big supporter of all the 607 podcasts. So we're super happy to have him in studio. So wait and see for that. Dot, dot, dot. All of that, the T Public Store, Parlay Points, new comics blogs up right now. Go check the reviews and so much more. ODPHpodcast.com. That's all I got for this week. So for the one only Paddle 1J. Thank you. Thank you. I'm your host, Ken M. Yeah, it's going to take me a while to get over the Von Miller's to the Buffalo Bills deal, so just bear with me because Tuesday could be a long episode. At OD Parlay Hour for all of the Von Miller news. Yes, absolutely. I'll have, I'll have takes. I'll have takes all through the weekend. Trust me.
But as always, thank you for listening to the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. We'll see you next time.